Ding, 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 ding. We sing in praise of total war. I can save the universe using a kettle and some string. And look at me, I'm wearing a vegetable. Hello, faithful listener, and welcome to A Kettle and Some String, where we take a random trip through all the Doctor's adventures in time and space. I'm Dave, and my guest tonight is a return guest. I'm delighted to welcome back Mr. Cy Hart. How are you doing, Cy? Hello, Dave. I'm very glad to be back. I wasn't expecting to come back as quickly as <laughs> I have. <laughs> yes, because after we've done Enlightenment, I think it was after recording, we were talking about how you've done season 20 through a series of podcasts, including this one. And we both jokingly said, if the King's Demons comes out, you're going to be there. And funnily enough, the King's Demons comes out. I know, what are the chances? So, yeah, so it's the King's Demons. So we're back to 12, 12, 15, isn't it? Yeah, something like that, isn't it? It's going to get that right. Yeah, 12, 15. Mm-hmm. And... The time of King John and the time around Magna Carta. So lots to discuss on this one. <laughs> uh, I thought we would just start by talking a bit about the elephant in the room that is chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> well, he could be an elephant if, if, they, <laughs> if they brought an elephant in. And there's no reason why he couldn't be an elephant. He could be anything. <laughs> it might have been a better idea to feed him an elephant. <laughs> It certainly moved better than the actual prop. Oh, dear God. So it all started because Richard Gregory, an effects designer, gave this idea to the production team. So he's got a company called Imagineering, and they had supplied props, costumes for Fort of Doomsday and Earthshock. And it was only while working on Earthshock that he told G&T about, oh, I know about this robot prop that's been developed with a software designer called Mike Power. And a computer expert called Chris Padmore at CPI Cybernetics. All right, says JNT. <laughs> the, prop, the prop had a vacuum formed head, latex skin, mouth servo, a neck joint that could move in all directions, apparently. But it had been created for a car promotional exhibit. It made gestures, recited a, a sales pitch, but it went down so badly that the company that done the car company didn't want anything to do with it. They rejected it. <laughs> So, so maybe that was a sign that maybe GNT should have paid it. Yep. But uh, anyway, so the pair then needed and they hoped to secure funding from the entertainment industry to get some money and complete its development. So Gregory was approached and he said he talked to Nathan Turner. So Nathan Turner and Eric Seward then saw a demonstration of this brilliant robot in a 50s-style swimming costume and a rubber cap. What's that all about? I don't know. What? A 50s-style swimming costume, apparently, Chameleon was wearing. I can't even imagine Chameleon wearing that outfit. No, 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 no. Someone should mock this up for us, I think. (laughs) Would would that not put them off even more? Well, I would have thought so, but there we go. But then they looked at it, and, of course, G&T 
and Eric Seaborn. So Seaborn can't blame the producer Johnny for turning totally for this because he was there. <laughs> They thought, yes, this is what we need, because Johnny Van Turner was insanely wanting to find a replacement for K9 that he'd got rid of a year or two previously. <laughs> oh, and I he thought, we need another... <laughs> yeah, and he wanted another robot. So they thought, yeah, let's go with this. And so Terence Dudley got tasked, right, we need a story to introduce the two of them. Away you go. Peter Davison then saw the prop, and let's just say he wasn't impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't think anyone was impressed. This is, you have to remember, this is um, 1982, 83. The robotics industry own, still really can't make convincing robots that yeah, do things do now. It. Here we are 40 years on, and it's still pretty much impossible. So what the hell were they thinking? Yeah, I think they must have. I, I don't know what somebody put in their tea that day, but... Yeah, one of the daftest things ever, certainly. Dr. <laughs> That's Justin very Crowley. true. <laughs> so the King's Demon specifically, so Terence Dudley had the idea of doing a story about Magna Carta before he even done that Black Orchid. Okay. Apparently he had this story, but they said, they said, ah, let's just write this story called Black Orchid for us, will you? Um, Eric Sayward, the serial moaner, was not happy that Dudley was given this story because he disliked Terence Dudley's work. Apparently they didn't get on. Oh, right. okay. Well, um, this is not, not uncommon. Lots of people did not get on with Terence Dud Dudley. Um, Terry Nation no. and Terence Dudley um, had a huge falling out over Survivors, for instance. So, um, yeah, Terence Dudley true. tended to push people up the wrong way. But him and J&T always got on. Yeah, I think Peter Davison also said um, that he was a rude guy because I think he would have... Of course, he would have been on All Creatures Great and Small. Oh, of course, yes, yes. He was directing All Creatures Great and Small yeah. back in the day. So mm -hmm. It's quite interesting, though, because nobody really gets on with Eric Seward, either. And he's no. not saying, <laughs> I don't get on with Eric Dudley. Mm -hmm. So Dudley was then asked to include the Master as well as Chameleon, because there was an agreement to do a Master story, of course, every year. And in the end, he was getting his annual appearance. Yeah. But Seward liked, disliked this, too, because while he liked Ainley's performance, apparently he didn't like the Master. Oh, well, there we go. But he did which, love the Cybermen. So. <laughs> <laughs> which might explain why he didn't strip edit any of Time Flight, but that's another story. <laughs> Maybe he just thought, I'm just going to leave that because it's got the master that's in it. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, originally, Sir Giles was going to have a mask which came off at the end of part one. Please, why did they get rid of that idea? Because it would have made it better. And originally, you'll laugh at this. Originally, his, I was poorless once of many times when I heard this. His original closing line, of course, at the end of part one is, oh, Doctor, you have been naive. Yeah. Apparently the original line was going to be, oh, Doctor, you have been obtuse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my dear Doctor, you have been obtuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just say some of the scripting choices in this are just incredible, but oh, yeah, we'll get into that. There's, yeah, there's a lot <laughs> to unpack here. <laughs> J&T was visiting Colin Baker in October 82 while he was performing. Well, why would he be doing that? Aye, I wonder. I mm -hmm. wonder if he had him... Well, it was October 82. No, that would have been after uh, Ark Infinity. It must have been for another role, hmm. perhaps. <laughs> so he was performing in Eastbourne, and also in the same play, though, was Gerald Flood. And apparently J&T saw Gerald Flood in his play as well and took him aside and said, fancy being in Doctor Who? And he said yes. So that's very that was easy. This was Tony Virgo's second ever directing credit after he'd done an episode of Angels. 
And makeup was Elizabeth Rule, which was awkward because apparently she was an ex-girlfriend of JNT. Oh. Yes. Obviously, I'm assuming before, obviously, he was com- more comfortable yes. in his mm-hmm. sexuality and so on. Yeah, she'd, um, um, she'd worked on Robots of Death, I think, um, previously as well. So She popped up, which apparently was a bit awkward for Tony. Okay. Hi, uh... <laughs> Peter Davison was delighted to work with Gerald Flood, uh, mm-hmm. but Gerald Flood was disappointed as well because he had to record all the lines for Chameleon in advance. So he was hoping he was going to be in the studio, deliver them live. Yeah. But mm-hmm. no, he had to record them all, and it took two weeks. Two wow, that's weeks. a lot of recording. Yeah. Mike Power, unfortunately, died in a boating accident. So because he was the software expert, reprogramming, reprogramming the robot was difficult. Because probably nobody else could bloody do it. No, well, yeah, well, this is the start of the curse of Chameleon. Um, had huge accidents or or yes. um, are sadly not with us anymore. I mean, it might all be a coincidence, but who knows? Yeah, it's similar to the Superman story, isn't it? Like how everyone who's played Superman apparently has obviously had accidents or died mysteriously. Right, so it took, as I say, it took Flood Dialogue two weeks to program into the computer. So they couldn't change the dialogue. So they couldn't even write, oh, that line sounds a bit crap. No, nah, we can't change it. It would take another two weeks. The cast hated it because it limited the performance. Because, of course, they've got a robot that can only do one thing. Yeah. And that, even that's not very well. Um, there was an argument between the unions because this is one of the barmy things of the unions of the 80s. They argued over who operated the robot because it had a power supply that only union members could, could plug in. So this is just getting the plug to put it in the wall. <laughs> just, I mean, it's just as bad as, is it Robot, where it was a ladder, of course. Yes, was, yeah, it was a, a yeah, ladder. ladder sort of just sat there because um, the props people were on strike and so no one else could actually move this this ladder out of the way. Absolutely, Barney. I mean, yeah. you can imagine mm-hmm. that nowadays. I... <laughs> because of the problems of Chameleon, Finally, of course, they saw it in the studio and thought, right, this is just a disaster. And Peter Grimmed immediately was given a commission. Can you write a story so we can get rid of him? <laughs> well, what a shocker, eh? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it broke down constantly. The speeches were out yeah. of sync with the mouth movements. The electronic electronics needed repaired. The hydraulic system of the arms broke down, apparently, and couldn't be repaired. The studio time ticked away. Scenes had to be abandoned. And GT then had to secure an extra studio day. Well, it's just a complete, complete, utter self combusted disaster. It is. And, you know, for all canines' faults, he never caused them that much trouble. No, no. All canine did was the interfere with the remote control, wasn't it? That sometimes... That's right, yeah. And cause interference with the cameras and smash into walls. But again, uh, they had, yeah. um, oh, the names escaped me. Uh, the operator. Matt Irvin. Yes. He was on hand as well, but unfortunately in this case, the software guy has, has died, unfortunately. So they don't even have somebody that can help them. It's, no. it's just a complete disaster. And it was such a silly, silly idea on JNT's part. I, I know the publicity would have been good if it had worked, but yeah, really... Yeah, it's, it's, one not, of, it's yeah. not one of the, his brightest moments, to be honest. Not at all. I mean, they didn't even... Why on earth did they not just keep Chameleon in? 
even and just have somebody different, just have Gerald Flood in it every week. Well, exactly. You know, have you him know. shapeshift into a great big famous actor who comes in for a week to do yeah. to do a Doctor Who. You know, that's what they'd do now if they if they came up with the idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were so many ways J and T could have played that played with this. But yeah, really, they just put him in a cupboard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> put him in the cupboard until even the audience have forgotten about him. And I was. Yeah. I was watching this at the time, and I'd forgotten that Chameleon was on board the TARDIS by the time Planet of Fire <laughs> came round, because no one had even mentioned him in that no, time. No, he never, he never appeared or was talked about ever again until he's no. the next story. Now, I know we've got the um, scene that they filmed for um, The Awakening that got cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that was cut, so we didn't see that back in back in the day, so... Yeah, he didn't look very impressive in that scene either. To be honest, no, he didn't at all. Another barmy thing of this story. So you're you're tight for time. You need extra studio days, but this is around the time when G and T's doing one of his pantomimes. So Peter Davison and Anthony Ailey are rehearsing the story in the morning and then buggering off to rehearse Cinderella in the afternoon. Well, oh. What's going on? I would just uh, yeah. Sometimes you just think how. How did they get away with this? <laughs> you know, and it, it's, I mean, it's a wonder it turned out in any way competent whatsoever. And actually, it's not a bad production overall. But yeah, it's, oh, it's one JNT's decision making was often just just balmy. Yeah, I mean, didn't it? Didn't they have this the next year as well? Because wasn't Nicola Bryant in the one the year after? That's right. Yeah, Nicola Bryant and, and Colin and... Baker. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. So this was an annual thing. Sorry, we're doing the panto. Um... Yeah, if you could do the filming close to where we're hosting the panto, that would be good. <laughs> I think Bodium Castle is not is not actually that far from Brighton, so where they they did the filming here, so that's where the panto was on. And then obviously when they do um, Revelation of the Daleks the following year, it's it's not far away. So yeah, it's just bad me that to think that. The location that they pick could arguably have been because they're doing a pantomime down the road, yeah. you know, as opposed mm -hmm. to that's the best location for the story. That is just crazy. Mark Strickson hated the story as well because obviously he's just trapped in a cell. Well, yes, here episodes. we are. We've got got this wonderful high concept companion who's a bit dodgy and a bit strange. And what do you do with him after he's been redeemed? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> he's just had his moment of redemption in enlightenment. He's made yeah. the choice. He didn't. He shoved the crystal into the Black Guardian, got free, and then, yeah. In this story, as we'll go through it, he does absolutely bugger all. Yeah, does absolutely nothing mm -hmm. apart from shout a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he does do some good shouting. Yes, he does. Uh, Peter Howell started the music on this, so he wrote the King's song and the banquet yeah. music. But unfortunately, because of the delays. He was then doing another programme and Jonathan Gibbs took over. Quite ironic, really, because I think the two bits that Peter Howell did are the only two bits that I can stand in this story. I think oh, really? Oh, I, I think it's his. a great score. I really like really? this one. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of the Radiophonic Workshop scores anyway. Oh, I, I usually I, am as well, but this one... I really like yeah. Jonathan Gibbs's work, so all of his his four scores are all really, really good. So, yeah, I, I, I'm quite fond of this one. 
Oh, we dis- well, we'll agree to disagree on Whoa, that. Okay. This electronic score, I think, is just totally against what's needed for this story. Well, that's just well, yes. Well, that that's the problem with the historical ones, isn't it? It's a bit of a. It was the same with Black Orchid the year before that. Um, Roger Lim uses a bit more piano than usual, but the synths don't sit mm-hmm. well on a on a, a historical. There's one or two nice bits in it, but I think on the whole, it's a. a I think I hate it. <laughs> Absolutely well, hate it. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Transmitted in March 1983, The King's Demons. We've got Peter Davison as the Doctor. We've got Mark Strickson as Turlow. We've got Janet Fielding as Tegan, although you never know that she's there either. And it's <laughs> the guest cast. We've got... Mm, I wonder who James Stoker is playing Sir Giles. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who well, that is. Well, there we go. Hmm. Ah. Well, I guess we'll find out. Frank Frank Windsor plays Ranulf, who was yeah. big in Z-Cars. Uh-huh. And we'll We've return got... in a few years' time in a much in a much better role, I think. Oh, yeah. A brilliant, mm-hmm. brilliant part in, in Sylvester McCoy's time. Yeah. We've got Gerald Flood as King John. Yep. Who I remember... Well, technically he's chameleon, but we'll go with King John here. Uh-huh. Um, I remember him in an episode of Step to Son, but I know that he's been in... Dozens, I think. He was in dozens. Yeah, he's of got things. one of those um, really familiar voices as well. It's very fruity, and, and yeah, you can see why he was chosen to do this, I think. Was he ever in Blake 7? No, he's not in Blake 7, but he was in a very early sci-fi show, which was one of the ones that they always cite as a precursor to Doctor Who, um, the Pathfinder series, the so Pathfinders to, to Mars and, and things like that. He was, was the dashing hero in that back in the very early 60s. We've got Isla Blair as Isabella. We have, who doesn't get to do very much at all. And she did do a Blake Seven, and she did do a really good Blake Seven as well. So, and she's um married to Julian Glover. That's right, yes. Scaroff mm-hmm. himself. Yep. Or Richard, which is quite ironic because um, King John was the brother of King Richard. That oh, what the, there we go. Yep, there's always a link. She was also in Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade. Yes. As Julian Glover's wife. Yes. <laughs> how did she get these roles? Who knows? I wonder, I wonder <laughs> how they got the chemistry and they saw that mm-hmm. and thought that would be a good idea. Uh, Christopher Villiers plays Hugh in one yep. of his first parts, I'm assuming. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's a yeah, very early part in his career. And again, he was back in Doctor Who many, many years later. And um, it was the Mummy one, wasn't it? Yeah, the Mummy on the Orient Express, yeah. He made a big name for himself much later on in Emmerdale. And Mile High, I remember. I don't know if you'll ever remember a series called Mile High. Vaguely, yes. It was just about Randy uh, airline pilots and stewardesses, mm-hmm. really. And he was one of the pilots. Ah, right, OK. So I think he was in quite a few sex scenes, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got... <laughs> probably, Dave. Probably. I can <laughs> see that. <laughs> and Michael J. Jackson plays Sir Jeffrey, who is also another big Emmerdale Part. Oh, right, okay. Not got the biggest role on the side, though, really. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when did you first see this, and what was your first thoughts? Well, uh, as as I said, when we did Enlightenment, I first saw this about 40 years ago when it was first on. Um, so I remember liking this one, and I remember particularly um, my mum very much liked the song. I don't know why okay. my mum liked the song, but I do remember when... Um, when we got 
when she bought me Doctor Who the Music Volume 2, which had the music from the King's Demons on it, she was very disappointed that the song hadn't made it. So there we go. See, BBC Records and Tapes, you missed a trick there by not releasing. They never put the song on? No, they never put the song on. Well, that's the best bit off the bloody Well, exactly, of- yes. So it, not even the sort of instrumental sort of version. So there's lots of the loop music. It sort of makes it into the into the um the suite that's on there, but not the song, unfortunately. Oh god. I think I first saw it in the repeat on UK Gold. So okay. Before, so it was before the, the video came out. Yes, because the video came with the five doctors five special doctors. edition, didn't it? An mm-hmm. infinitely better story, but that's a... yes. <laughs> <laughs> I found this one really, really dull and boring actually. I I, I thought the master's accent, as we'll get to it. I thought the master was a complete and utter joke in this. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. He's disguised. I thought Chameleon looked alright though. Mm-hmm. To be honest. Um, well, it looks alright when it's sitting down and not doing anything. And not doing anything, but it doesn't <laughs> But uh, no, I, I I did not like this one at all. I found it just okay. Cool. Um, just yeah, no, didn't like it. So while we go into the King's Demons, <laughs> okay. So we start. We start in a banqueting hall of Fitzwilliam Castle, where Lord Ranulph and his wife have King John staying with them, and the king accuses Ranulph of failing to support the crusade. So I think the opening is pretty good, actually. Yes. You've got dogs, you've got... The food looks really plastic, to be honest. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look like anything that you'd be eating, but I, just, I found out that apparently they sprayed them in hairspray or something. To make oh, it, lovely. I don't know. Probably to preserve it like in the studio for yeah. two days or something. But it just looks naff to me. There's a fire though, there's a jester, it's a big set, costumes. Yeah, there's paid. lots going on. And um there's a really nice um sort of matte painting or um glass shot where yes. it makes the castle look really high and just to establish it just for the first first um sort of shot of the story. So it looks expensive. And if nothing else, the BBC can do a historical really, really well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the costumes, and it, it looks like 1215. I mean, yes. I wasn't there, obviously, but it looks like 1215. <laughs> and Gerald's Flood's voice is such a rich, fruity voice, like you oh, said. Oh, it is, it's, isn't it? Yes. I, I think he says something like, um, you insult us, or something. Mm-hmm. So the King's champion, Sir Giles Estram, or is that something? <laughs> we'll get to that. Throws down a gauntlet to challenge... Sir Lord Ranulph and Hugh Ranulph's son accepts the challenge. You insert the king. The king. <laughs> you beat me to it. Damn it. Are you also Craven? <laughs> yes, your accent is as convincing as um as James Stroker is. <laughs> what the heck is going on with that accent? I don't know. <laughs> it's the most cod sort of. Monty Python accent. Absolutely. Ever. Are you telling me that John Nathan Turner was in the in the studio at the box, sniggering under his breath, going, "Is he for real here?" Oh, you know, can we get away with this? Oh, that's how he's playing it. Oh well. <laughs> I mean, if Paul Darrow was getting abuse for what he did in Time Lash, how the hell Anthony Emily got away with doing this cod accent? Beggars belief to me. I just don't understand. No, I know it's it's just. Another crazy production <laughs> decision here. <laughs> I mean, it's a fantastic and really enjoyable performance, but oh, it is uh, in no way 
authentically French. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's enjoy. Didn't get me wrong. Um, I think the master is pathetic in this, but it's nothing but enjoyable. I'll mm-hmm. give it that. It, it, it's very entertaining, but in the wrong way for me. Yes. <laughs> it's like, what the heck is going on? Um, and then the king goes and says, "We'll stream sweet dreams." What a bastard! He's just mm-hmm. he's just saying, right? I'm going. To, your son's probably going to die tomorrow. I'm yeah. going for a good night. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kings. They're all bastards, aren't they? <laughs> We might as well say, spoiler alert, that obviously this is the master. <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way. Well, yes, this is this is the story where um, where Steve Alexander used to say to me whenever we watched it together, he'd say, this is the story where the Doctor, Tegan and Turlo should have just come out of the TARDIS, <laughs> looked at him, pointed at him and said, it's the master. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The reason I say that now is because I don't understand if it's obviously because it's the master. Why does he want to fight him? Why did why go through this elaborate well, labyrinth of is he just I just get the impression that the master's just enjoying himself and just I think he's just, just yeah. going to just <laughs> Well, I mean, there's there's the line from the doctor later on where he says this is small time villainy, even by the master's <laughs> standards. And it's absolutely true. This is just he's just having a laugh today, isn't he? I think he's just wants to dress up. Do a silly accent, have some fun with his his nice robot that he's found, and off he goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next morning is the joust between them. Yeah. But in the middle of it, the TARDIS arrives and interrupts the joust. Mm-hmm. So it's there's great shots of the castle in the setting. It does it does look great, believable. It, it like it cuts between look at the castle, look at the the moat, and all of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been to that castle, and it it's really fantastic it's really yeah it's a really good location that they chose so the castle itself is actually hollowed so there's not much of the castle insides that that exists but from the outside it looks looks really amazing so it's just a shame that they're filming in december because it looks really miserable and cold out on that location i mean they must have been freezing in in december Mm -hmm. oh god yeah so it looks very believable but i'm just thinking again at this point Come on, it's the bloody master. I mean, what yeah. is... Mm-hmm. <laughs> How hot is she? I mean, oh, my God, oh yes. My God. Isn't he just? Yeah. I mean, I like his 12, 16 um, blonde highlights in his hair. Yes. That, that's oh a very God. good touch. But, yeah, God, yeah, he's 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 super hot. Oof. Mm-hmm. Um, when he gets the, the wet hair, um, a minute oh. after that, oh, my God, it gets even better. Um, <laughs> Tegan comes out in a paint dress. It just looks like paint has just been splattered all over. Yes. I'm not quite sure what that was about. I'll let you do the like the, the line at this point. The master's oh. infamous line. I have no need of messengers from Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I'm just going to scream at this point what we've already said three times. How does the doctor not recognise it's the fucking master? Yes, it makes the doctor seem really thick. <laughs> he needs his brainy specs now. Yes. <laughs> Not in front of us. He needs them No, now. he needs them now. And just to take a look. No, that is. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, it's the master with a red, he's just dyed his moustache red. Yes. And he's there. That is it. There is no difference whatsoever. I mean, this is the idea for me of the master. I mean, Portrieve, I was totally fooled. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I remember um, getting the video of that. And knowing the plot, and knowing that the master is uh, is the Paul Treve, and still 
forgetting because it's a really great and different performance. Um, Razor obviously was much later on. Totally yeah. fooled me as well. Even Khalid for Christ's sake, even bloody Khalid because he had a mask, <laughs> but you couldn't tell it was him. But this, no. I, I mean, how it got past the, they should have got another actor to play. Now that would have been interesting. And then have him appear at the end. That's what they should have done. It would probably would have had a better French accent as well. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Ant, but come on. No. Um, <laughs> I like how the king goes, is this Lilith? Now, this is uh, apparently a Jewish demon, is Lilith. I don't know the okay. story, but apparently it is a Jewish demon. And Tegan, Tegan says about King John, the one with the lost shirt, I think. Because, and that's all to do with, because um, near the end of his life, he lost he's, he lost a lot of his crowns and everything or something. Oh, right. oh okay. So that's where that came from. Because I was thinking when I watched it the other day, what's she talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lost shirt? <laughs> I think that's what she said. I might have got that down wrong. <laughs> and the master, of course, just does his smirk. And he is the master of the master doing a smirk. This has this little hmm sort of... Mm-hmm. Turlow looks so out of place, by the way, with the bloody schoolboy outfit. He's in the middle of this. Tegan's got her... Puts this coat on. Yeah, so at least she, she sort of tries <laughs> to hide the fact it's freezing cold, and he's just sitting, standing there with his schoolboy outfit on, and just looks completely. He looks like some. He's just came off the wrong set, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I never just... quite understood why Turlow wanted to keep the school uniform. No, it makes Since no sense. Since he hated the school. No, I. <laughs> I don't know whether it was a Mark Strickson thing or a J and T thing or or whatever, but yeah, it always seemed a bit odd. So the doctor and. Inc- his companions are called demons by the king. Mm-hmm. My demons, make room for our demons. Bravo, our demons. <laughs> <laughs> and the joust continues, and shoes dismounted, but before Sir Giles can do the fatal blow, the doctor pleads for him to be saved, and he's saved, which angers Shoe because his honour's been bruised. Yeah, so the demons are then welcomed into the castle, and Davison's got some messy hair outside. Obviously, the wind was blowing yes. that <laughs> But lots. I'm glad, always glad to see him wearing the hat. I love the hat. He yes, looks great. I wish he'd wore it more often. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't Sir Giles will just kill him? Obviously, we know because it's the master, but it seems to stop so that the doctor has a chat with the king. And he's like, well, oh, well, oh, okay. Yes. Because I think all the characters know that they're in Doctor Who. <laughs> more than <laughs> else, maybe. When they go into the castle, Turnbull just has this bemused look on his face, and Janet Fielding just looks bored. She just she she she's almost like she's looking like what am I doing here? And nobody's acting cold. They're all supposed to be freezing cold, and they just all so uh, oh well uh, okay. I get the impression with this story that some of them are just like uh, this script is just. Sh- yeah, we're sorry. just going to get through this, and then we're we're doing enlightenment <laughs> in a couple of weeks' time. That'll be better. Hugh captures Turlow and takes him to the dungeon. Why? Well, why not? If you've got a prisoner, where else are you going to take them? My only theory is that, obviously, he's been bruised, his ego's been bruised. So the Doctor is a demon, of course, Turlow is a demon, and he thinks, I'm just going to take my revenge on, ah, you'll do, I'm just going to, because I've yeah. just seen you on your own, I'm just going to, but what was he going to do with him? He just takes him to the dungeon and sort of just has words with him. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, and so just chain him up to a wall. <laughs> what else are you going to do, you know? <laughs> Uh, the Doctor and Tegan then discussed their situation. So this is where we get some exposition about how the king should be on London on the state 
for yeah. Magna Carter, but somehow he's in this castle hundreds of miles away, probably from where he should be. And what the hell is going on? But Tegan says, I know my history, which is quite interesting because I never bloody knew anything about Magna Carter at school. No. <laughs> Funnily enough, I mean, I only knew sort of of King John from around this time um, because he was a character um, quite often seen in the ITV series Robin of Sherwood. So I knew okay. sort of, of him um, sort of from that, where he's played by the marvellous Phil Davis, who'd be in Doctor Who and the Fires of Pompeii years and years later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think it was something that was on the curriculum for a long time because it was was British history, so that would have been been on there probably in Australia as well. So yeah, perhaps it's not yeah. not so shocking back then, but it is a bit now. Yeah, I certainly don't remember anything about it at all. I remember watching mm. the story when I watched it the first time and having no clue about what Magna Carta was. Or, but well, don't worry, there was a great big. Um, very interesting feature on Magna Carta on the DVD. Yes, which I watched the other day to remind myself what on yes. earth it was all about. <laughs> <laughs> but the story with King John apparently was over. It was Richard was his just for a bit of background. Richard was his brother, the famous Richard the Lionheart, of course, is seen as one of the best kings there ever was. Was going to the Crusades and the Holy Land and all that, and he was his brother, John. But he made enemies of the barons, which he needed to keep control in the country. So because he made enemies of the barons, he then made enemies of the church. So he got excommunicated from the church. So nobody, he's toxic. Nobody could want to talk to him. And so to try and get some control back, he agreed to the barons' demands to have this document called Magna Carta, which was like a list of, this is the things that we'll agree on. But from the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like it really worked because it was revamped and revamped and revamped about seven or eight times over the next couple of hundred years. Oh, right, okay. So he was, uh, did you not watch that feature inside the other day? Um, not since the DVD came out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's the great charter, Magna Carta, but, uh-huh. yeah, but as we say, the, as the, masters, it, the, master, the doctor says, the, doc, the master, what am I trying to say? The, the doctor... <laughs> Saying about the master, that small-time villainy, he's not trying to destroy the universe. He's not trying to destroy the air for rule. He's just wanting to stop this document getting there, <laughs> getting done. Yeah, which he could have done just by stealing the parchment, you know? He could have done any yes, other... Yes, that's true. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Isabella does her tapestry, I noticed at this point as well, but it's already finished, so she's working away on it. I'm looking yep. at it and thinking, <laughs> what are you doing to it? There's nothing... It's done. Uh-huh. Come on, love. Start another one. <laughs> well, they did say that Randolph has had, had all his, and um, the king's already had all his money. So maybe there's no money for for any more um, um, yarn for her to to to, to sew <laughs> with. Yeah, because Randolph's potless, as we found out, isn't he? He can't give him he anything is. else. Mm-hmm. In the Great Hall, Sir Giles tells Randolph that he has orders to prison Isabella, so he imprisons her with Turlough and Hugh. Better of the king. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah which by this point I'm just thinking off what is going uh, on yeah, here so yeah that the king yeah <laughs> and Turlow starts his shouting match he just suddenly for whatever reason shouts I'm nobody's man uh, which comes out of nowhere okay well fine okay 
He's he's talking to the guy in the dungeon, but he just shouts every line for some reason. Like he's totally I don't know if he got out the he's the bed the wrong side in the TARDIS, but he just for some reason becomes a shouting machine in this whole story. Yes, because it's it's a it's a very different performance to the to the rest of the time he he yeah. in the series. So he's really he stepping... about, maybe it just needed a bit of extra oomph just to get them through <laughs> this one. <laughs> He's trying to, as always, squirm his way out of the situation, but then he shouts, I don't know! Which he does several times in the story. Yes. Ranulf visits the doctor to say the king has been bewitched. So that's a lovely bit where he says about the attire. He says, what's some strange attire? And I was thinking, why does... Nobody else really talk about blood, the bloody celery in Peter Davidson's outfit. He oh, exactly, really, yeah. Mm-hmm. He very rarely and gets Tegan being there in a very short skirt and <laughs> and a multicoloured jacket and yeah. <laughs> yeah, and right, Sir Geoffrey Ranulph's cousin arrives from London now. But Giles takes him prisoner along with taking the TARDIS inside the castle. The first thing that oh, the blue needed, engine. The blue engine. <laughs> <laughs> So Giles has got this gigantic cloth on. It looks like he's got a bedspread around his... Yes. And the first thing he, he filmed in this story, I found out, was when he goes into the castle with the TARDIS and he just does the smirk. It seems to be the only thing where he always has this this smirk. That's the first thing he films, just walking into a castle. Okay. And he still does the smirk. Yeah, but I'm sorry, Sai, weird music. As Sir Geoffrey rides to the castle, there's this weird bit of music that kicks in, which doesn't sound anything like 1215. <laughs> Oh, there is, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, I know the bit you mean. And he does an Arnold Schwarzenegger style, Ian Lee does here. You lie! Take him! <laughs> and I was just laughing my face off at this point. I'm sorry, but this story is just... Well, 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 well. So Sir Jeffrey's taken prisoner. Yep. Isn't Tegan dying in the hall? And the king sings a song, so it's the song now. Yes. We sing in praise of total war. Ding, 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 ding. Jeffrey comes in, is brought in, and Giles brings in an Iron Maiden. Now, I was thinking, why was he wanting Jeffrey in the Iron Maiden? I'm assuming that was to shut him up, because he's the only one that could expose that. Yes, exactly, because he's the one who's been with the king on the day. So, sorry, that's probably pretty obvious, but I was thinking, why is he what? But, yeah, I've answered one question. <laughs> and you've got Isla Blair doing a fantastic line of a better use of the Iron Maiden in the dungeon, mm-hmm. but she just does not sound interested. She just no. a better use, <laughs> which sounds pretty fake. I, lo- mm-hmm. I loved how when the, the king's doing his song and he's on his loop, the master's eating a sausage. Yes, it's just in the background, just <laughs> you know, helping himself. <laughs> and what what I do like is um the look of disgust that's on the doctor's face, sort of as yes. the king is singing about war. That's a really nice touch from Peter Davison. So it's quite yeah. subtle. I think Peter Davison's pretty good in this actually. I mean, I've been savage yeah, so. to death, but I actually think, despite the the poor material, I think he does a decent performance in this. He's yeah, like, definitely. Gerald Flood's got a good singing voice as well as a good he has, yeah. voice. He can sing. Mm-hmm. And another master moment, Medicity. <laughs> cod, cod, cod is the only thing I can think of. <laughs> yes. The doctor accuses Giles of poor taste and they have a duel. 
which ends with disarming Giles. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's nice to see the Doctor and Master having a sword fight. So we haven't seen that for a few years. Yes, we haven't. No. Yeah, the Doctor's given Ranulph's sword after just yeah. saying that his cousin should boil in oil. So he's just said, I think your cousin should boil in oil rather than be um, putting the Iron Maiden. Yeah, but then well, he just he just suddenly just goes, "Oh, but you're going to fight him. I'll, I'll give you my sword then." Yeah, the what? script is all over the place. Really, really is. Everyone's motives are all off all the way through. And Janet Fielding's just asleep by this point because she just yeah. says, "Doctor, don't do it in the most dull sort of delivery ever." She and then he goes, bored. "Does it anyway?" Yeah, I fear no hell hand. It says master. <laughs> oh, sorry, Sir Giles. There's the the wonderful line that um, Peter Davison has where um, someone says, oh, he's the best swordsman in France, and says, well, we're not in France. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, we're in England. I, 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 think yeah. the, I think the dialogue is pretty rubbish. It's really dialogue. stinky, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Iron Maiden during the duel gets hit, and is, it gets hit during the fight, and it's as light as a feather. They throw it in like yes. oh, a heavy thing. <laughs> and and, yeah, and it's... Too. And it, yeah, a gust of, yeah, a small, small push would knock it over. It's a very choreographed fight as well, I thought. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's not the most natural looking fight. It looks like two guys are trying not to hurt each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Tegan's reaction, the camera cuts to her during the fight. That's a bit where the master nearly gets him. Or sorry, Sir Giles, nearly gets mm-hmm. him. And Tegan's reaction is completely blank. There's no, <gasps> or no, it's just... of shock. It's just complete. Oh, yeah. It's it's weird. The whole thing is just weird. And to carry on the the joke with the food, the king at one point the king nearly gets hit, and he's eating a pie or something, and he just has yes. this brilliant reaction when he nearly gets hit. Off. Oh my god! I've just got hit. <laughs> yeah. At least he's got a good reaction. I wonder if this might be because it's Tony Virgo's um, second direction, and maybe he's just not yeah. not on top of it and. And he's been lumbered with this awful robot that has slowed everything down in the studio. And maybe he's just not, not quite on me, top of it, everything. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the same... It sounds like he's fell into the same trap as Norman Stewart did in the 70s, where he's just yeah. been given a really poor you know, set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, oh, God, how am I going to recover from the ashes this mess? Yeah. Although in saying that... I, I have done Power of Crow and I thought that was decent, so I'll mm-hmm. take that back. Um, so, yeah, the king is gets as big a shock, so that's a good wee comedy moment. And, of course, the master is, the, sorry, Sir Giles, is disarmed, and he pulls out the dreaded TCE. <laughs> is that no, your impression of the master? I, <laughs> I, I... I know I shouldn't, but I absolutely love this cliffhanger. It's just, just brilliant. It's absolutely wonderful. Are you yes. <laughs> I just love the way he just stands up and then you get that wonderful bit of music. And he just <laughs> and and Peter Davison, of all things, just turns around to him and says, You escaped from Seraphas. <laughs> wow! Yes, he did. Look, we've all been worrying how he got away from Zerophas. Bravo, my demon. He <laughs> pulls out the TCE, and then, of course, we have the, the one of the shittest reveals ever, this sort of whoa sort of effect. <laughs> and he's got rid of his red beard, and it's the master. And he does yes. the 
weirdest sort of yeah i always think the scripts must say ha the master says ha 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 because anthony ainley always when he laughs says the words as he laughs did you did you ever play the destiny of the doctors game in the <laughs> and there's actually, and you know how Make you know, me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many ones in that, but there's one in particular. There's literally a laughing track, but it went on through. Yes, just you going, could. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I remember um, having the D, uh, having the CD, and um, you could find all the sound files of it and yes. recording that laugh because it's just. Oh, I mean that was just full of wonderful, wonderful things like um oh your your yellow jalopy Bessie <laughs> and everything. And I love, 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 love Anthony Ainley. I think Oh as I say, I love them, but I don't I can't take up seriously as like this universal oh, no. <laughs> um, mastermind that's going to destroy the universe at all. Because he's just like he's a pantomime villain. Yes. <laughs> just this. Um, oh, the classic one in Destiny of the Doctors was he, I think, get out, I'll have you melted down and recycle. That's the accelerator, not the brake, idiot. Don't look at me like that. I'm the hypnotist around here. Right? He had all sorts of mm-hmm. that's just what I remember. It was that was the one where um there's a cut the car that's trying to run over. Oh yes. But uh, oh god, I, I can't even think off the top of my head, but there was some absolute gems like sound bites on that one. Uh, oh, the, the beginning bit where he talks about all the doctors and he says, ah, comedian. Bad, useful He's comedian. Capable too, comedian. Quite, <laughs> yeah, comedian. Capable comedian. Not quite the cloud he looks this one. Yes. <laughs> There's the blistering one in the stupid coat. Yes. <laughs> There's a the nice one, such charm, such innocence, such naivety, such a fool. Such a fool. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, guys, if you haven't checked out, I think somebody's got on YouTube like all the, the video clips. Go, uh, yeah, honestly, it's he's fantastic. He really is. Yeah, I think I a lot of the video it. clips are on the survival DVD from back yes, in the day as well, aren't they? So there's a compilation of them all there. But that game gave me hours of uh, frustration, but also hours of fun just hearing chuckles in the background from an <laughs> <laughs> So... It's the master. Yes. And aren't we and, all stunned? And he isn't saying, you have been obtuse. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, my dear Dave. He has been naive. <laughs> Part two. So we've got had the chuckle, you have been naive, the reprise. And then the doctor actually has the audacity to say, you may disguise your features. Are you bloody kidding me, doctor? <laughs> you really? may disguise your features. But not very well. He no. <laughs> you need to get your contacts in, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Master's able to catch a knife. Well, of course. Because Segan just does another very dull delivery of the tissue compression eliminator. <laughs> it's, she she loves a bit of technology. <laughs> <laughs> and we have another terrible, terrible line. That is useless in your hands. You have moral scruples. Because he gives him the choice to take the knife or the TCE. He yeah. takes TCE and then he says, now you've made three mistakes or some nonsense. And yeah, you have no stomach for it. 
The master gets taken into the Iron Maiden. Yes. Now, what always I wonder is, what the hell are all the other people in the castle thinking is going on at this point? Because <laughs> no one is reacting to to the fact that Sir Gio Stram has turned into someone with black hair and a, and a beard, <laughs> yes. um, whose, whose French accent, such as it is, has now disappeared completely. Obviously, the king, the king won't react because that we, as we all find out, he's not he's not actually the king. No. But no one else is sort of reacting in any way to any of this. You've had a few woos and yes through the <laughs> through the fight, but no one has sort of paid any attention to. So no. can they, do they just see him as Sajil? Who knows? Yeah, it is really bizarre. I mean, even Tegan doesn't doesn't have a it's the master, which we would oh. normally have an 80s shoe at this point. Yeah. Oh my god, it's the master. Uh, but yeah, but everyone surely would be thinking this is witchcraft of the highest degree. Yeah. You know, seeing this. But no, there's no reaction whatsoever. Everyone just sort of I think they're maybe too drunk with the meat and the, <laughs> and they've had too much of that plastic chicken. Yes. I don't know. That's Something's enough to finish on. anyone off. <laughs> so the master's taken into the Iron Maiden and he does, I beg you, no! Yeah, he does a good scream. I'll give him that. <laughs> With the king saying, lavish her warm favours. <laughs> the fruity dialogue continues. Um, and the, it dematerialises because it's the master's tardis. Yeah. And again, nobody reacts. It's almost no. like we see this every day. Oh, I saw this in... Uh, Hamlet last week, although that's before Hamlet. But, uh-huh. You know. But but I, do like the, I do like the king's line when he says, yes, my dear, we have magic of our own as well. Oh, I like that line. That's yeah. really good. And I it's all like a bit own. mysterious and and quite cool. And to just put weight to Peter Davison is still doing a good performance in this. He really feels for the master here when he's taking... He doesn't realise, maybe naively, that that's the Master's TARDIS. And he thinks he's getting going to get tortured and he, yeah. and he shuts his eyes and he has a real moment of, ah... Uh, because he's given a choice, isn't he, between him and Sir Geoffrey. Yeah. And he cannot... No, he wouldn't use. do it to Sir Geoffrey, so... So so he really believes until, of course, he, it dematerialises and then, of course, he obviously thinks, damn, he's beat me, he's yeah. tripped me again. And Anthony mainly then loves it in his own TARDIS. It's almost like... Is he on watching CCTV? <laughs> he's got well, five he screens. Like he's just yeah, he's just sat there with, with his bank of screens <laughs> watching watching the King's Demons, I think, isn't he? <laughs> and he has another classic line. Come my toy. Perform. <laughs> <laughs> Stop Jeffrey. <laughs> oh my Every God. Line. <laughs> Oh man, the master's TARDIS doesn't go very far though. So he's in the TARDIS for a couple of minutes, watching what's happening, seeing that everything's going to plan, and then the tides. Right, I'm just going to reappear in the dungeon. So he's just went through the stair. <laughs> yeah, pop downstairs. Um, yes, and then he's buttering up the gentry, isn't he? Yeah, this jailer who just whoever anyone speaks to him, he'll just do whatever he's told, rather yeah. than say, "Wait a minute, you're not Hang my on. master." I've not seen you. Where have you come <laughs> from? Okay. And he releases Hugh and Isabella. Yeah. But the jailer, as you say, just, yeah, all right. Nay, fine. Seen... Yeah, okay. 
I've not heard any commotion up the stair because nobody reacted to witchcraft in the building. <laughs> I've just been I've just been down here having, you know, just reading my book, you know. Just... I'm not paid enough to worry about this. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and Turnlow has this outrageous line. He's never met the master before, but he goes, he is the evil one. <laughs> Evil. <laughs> he's never met him, so he doesn't no. know who he is. He does no. look evil, to be fair, which is well, a problem in itself. Which well, is a problem yeah. in itself because they, everyone just seems to believe the master. Like, yeah, he, how do you believe yeah. in this guy? Well, exactly. I mean, this is another another bit of confused motivation that obviously, for plot reasons, the master needs to be somewhere, so he's got to butter up. Isabella and Hugh, and he just seems to talk to them and they just believe everything he says. Yeah, I mean, the other thing in Doctor Who I just don't understand is the guy is called The Master. It's not exactly an endearing title to have. No, exactly. Yeah, somebody calling themselves The Master, you suddenly just trust everything he says. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why? (laughs) Well, exactly. And this is is a man who's a master hypnotist. He could have hypnotised them. And that yeah. would have been quite cool and different. And I mean, he could have hypnotised the jailer off camera, I suppose, but it doesn't appear to be because he's just no. acting completely normal. He's just going, oh, okay, yeah. I'll just release some, whatever. Yeah, it's all serve, very bizarre. To serve the do- devilish doctor's own purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, okay, just... so we hate the doctor now. Fine. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Talking to the doctor, he gets knighted. He does. Sir Doctor. Mm-hmm. Which is another strange piece of music for me. Sorry. <laughs> and King John goes for a race. He says, yes. oh, I'm a bit tired now. I'm just going to go for a race. I love him. And I love uh, Gerald flooding this because with all this nonsense going on, he's just camping it up. Oh, yeah. I... Dialogue. And it's just, I, I love him. We miss one of my, my favourite lines from him is, Oh, it has been years since we boiled in oil. Which is brilliant. He's just having the most amazing time, I think, with, with this role. And just say, well, this is this is this is fruity dialogue. I can play this to the hilt. It should have, I mean obviously, spoiler alert, he does come back to voice chameleon later on. Yes. But um they must have tricked you know, him in other stories, didn't they? Just yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can you imagine mm-hmm. can you imagine him in Warriors of the Deep? Oh gosh, yeah, that would <laughs> that would have livened it up. Him and Ingrid Pitt having a, a face <laughs> that would have been something. Or <laughs> or or her in the, the awakening. Oh yes. Ah, what are you doing, women? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they missed a trick. Or in the five doctors. Oh, it could have been anyone in the five. It could have been anyone in the five doctors. <laughs> yes. Facing off against the first doctor, eating mm-hmm. that uh, piece of caramel slice. <laughs> he could have gone to make the tea. Yes. Janet Fielding having a, having a mare about it. I'm now having a vision of chameleon in robot form serving the tea. Oh, that would have been a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> no one would have got out alive. <laughs> <laughs> it would have taken them about five days to film. Yes. <laughs> the doctor arrests Jeffrey and he leads him to the dungeons. But of course it's all us it's all us Yeah. What's the word? Um, <laughs> all a ruse. Yeah, a ruse, yes. It's all a ruse because he releases him and puts the master's compressor that he took off of into the TARDIS. Yeah, I was a bit sort of bemused by this because 
considering what happens to the master later on in other stories. We yeah. Think, in this story, though, we're told I think that it will mean that he it will not his dimensions will be all out of sync and yes. all the rest of it. But it doesn't say that that will shrink him, which ultimately is what eventually what happens. happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because in Planet of Fire, he says, "I was tinkering about making a better version of the TCE, mm-hmm. and I got and I made a mistake." So. I was a bit confused what the compressor at this point actually does. Does it just change the dimension inside and that's it? Well, I think that's it's what it, it does to the TARDIS. It just, but because we don't actually see any consequences yeah. of it, um, it's yeah, it's just word peril. Because he's literally just put it on, like so. He's opened the TARDIS door, the master's TARDIS, and put it on, put yeah, and put it on, so it would shrink everything inside, even though it's in another dimension. But it would shrink the dimension. Oh, I don't know. It's too... Who knows? This is get... Where's Chris Marich Bidney when you need him? Yeah, he'd have thought this through. <laughs> the master returns. Hugh and Isabella to Ranulph's side. So he's completely sucked in as well. He's just like, oh, yep. wait, give him food. Give him all this. You know, he's, thank you. We will we can give you arms. We'll give you whatever. It's like, come on. Yeah. Where's this man come from? You don't <laughs> know him. What's going on? He's going to rid the king of his demons, is what the master says. All oh, right, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But the, the jailer again, just the doctor says, Can you release uh, Turlow? Oh, yeah, why friend? not? Aye, why not? Uh, Turlow's done absolutely bugger all so far. He's just shouted in the. And um, he's not going to get a lot more to do yet. <laughs> and we've also, this, this is the bit where we get the line small time villainy by his standards. Yep. But, because, but. Nobody said anything about Magna Carta at this point. It's only a theory from the Doctor in the yeah. room. Nobody, the Master's never done his triumphant, I'm going to stop Magna nope. Carta. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But this is, this is, this whole scene in the, in the, in the hall is just absolutely fucking barmy because have they forgot the whole of the last episode? You know, yes. he was Sir Giles, as we were discussing earlier, he was Sir Giles with his behaviour. He locked the son up. He's the one that locked Hugh up. Yeah. But because he's brought Hugh back, he's everyone's best friend. Has everyone got amnesia? Yes, basically. Wouldn't they have, I think wouldn't so. they have questions? Wouldn't they say, wait a minute, why how did you change your face from being uh, a you know having a red moustache? And why did you lock my son up? And why he even looks evil. <laughs> uh, it, does. It, it makes no sense. No, none whatsoever. Jeffrey's going to set off to London to warn the king. I'm not quite sure what that would have achieved. Well, I mean, I guess if the king had turned up at the... Oh, I don't know. I went to see my cousin and, and you were there. Well, I wasn't there. I'm here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't he going to do what we do in London and get the same abuse when he goes down there? Because they're going to say, well, <laughs> exactly. you're telling lies because I'm here. I was, I was always oh, we'll, here. Was... We'll put you in prison for that. <laughs> put you in prison for <laughs> that. Put you in a dungeon. <laughs> and Turlow even sees him off. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That's the most he gets to do is pat the horse so that it, it goes. Yes, he gets to, he gets to say, I will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So in the, the doctor, most disinterested way possible as well. The, the doctor knows that he's going off to, to London, but I'm not quite... It makes... What's he going to... I don't know. This is just no, barmy. I don't know what's going on here. No one knows. <laughs> but he gets shot by a crossbowman. Yep. And... Which is Anthony Ainley smirking in the window. He's like, yep. that's <laughs> He gets a dart to kill him. 
Yeah. So I'm assuming he must have hypnotised him because he's again he's working for the owner of the castle, which is Ranul. Yeah. But he's Who, just came and it's his cousin. Yeah. Yeah, and they're like Kelly's cousin, and he's just went okay. I'll just cross him. Bang. Excellent shot. Is a great line. I'll give him that. Yes. Excellent shot. Is a great line, but. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what is going on by now. No. Um, they've taken Sir Jeffrey again. No, rea- Isla Blair. I, I don't know what she's doing in this story. To be honest, it's a very no, there's, a, there's not much to get your teeth into in this part other than looking nah. looking beautiful and she worried. Has no reaction whatsoever. She just goes, no. "They've taken Sir Jeffrey." And then, but Frank Windsor, on the other hand, is like, "Get after him!" <laughs> <laughs> And he gets furious. There's a brilliant bit along this bit where um, they, they've got Turlow, of course, so they accuse him of, what have they done to Sir Geoffrey? We try to help him, and he even he nearly squeaks and goes, help him! <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got a bit of an indignant voice going on there. <laughs> he's, what? <laughs> How can you say this about me? <laughs> I think Mark Strickson is just basically taking whatever opportunities he can because he hasn't got yeah. a lot to say. So I, I'm not surprised he didn't like the script because he must have looked no. at it and thought, are, is, are you kidding me? After the script, uh-huh. after the story I've just had? Yeah, yeah, this is what you're giving mm-hmm. The Doctor and Tegan then come in the hall where the TARDIS is and Tegan makes a distraction by dematerialising the TARDIS. Yes, so basically what, what Terence Dudley is doing here is Four to Doomsday. Four to Doomsday again. <laughs> so it is exactly the same, except Tegan is slightly less manic and worried in yeah, the TARDIS and hysterical. She's learnt a bit. But, yeah, it's... Oh, they let him get away with this? <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a distraction of... Well, to be fair, it would be, because yeah. for once they're actually reacting to something and going, oh, my God, something's disappeared. They didn't do that with yeah. the, the Iron Maiden, but OK. And the doctor's able to slip away cunningly. Yes. And they turn around and kind of go, the demon is gone. <laughs> <laughs> He's just disappeared while we were looking the other way. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor hears singing coming from the king's chamber and goes in, of course, to discover it's an android. It is. Woo! And the master introduces him as, Chameleon. Chameleon. My pet chameleon. <laughs> now, to give it some credit where it's due, before he starts moving, he does look impressive. When The first yes. thing when he's got the loot in his hand and he turns and goes, hello, my demon, that's actually fine. It looks yeah, oh, my god. Yeah, because the head turns at the right point at that point as well. And actually, the image of the robot holding the loot is a really, really strong Doctor Who-y type... Yes. Image that's that was something that I remembered quite well. It's just when he starts moving that it yes. all just falls apart. It's just it, yeah. Your Majesty seems in need of a doctor, though, is a cheesy line. That's just, yeah, oh, god, really. And the master admits at this point that he wasn't expecting the master, the doctor to come. So, why is he bloody in disguise then? <laughs> well, exactly. What it makes again, I think he's just having a Fun day, you just think, oh, what the hell? So he's got this, right? So, we're meant to believe he's got this master plan 
of uh, right. I'm going to stop by the Carter. I'm going to infiltrate the King's Court. Blah blah blah. Be the camp champion. It's my disguise. But he didn't need to be. All he had to do was like appear as himself, and the king could just say, "Right, this is my chamberman or whatever." Yeah. And he would have got. Yeah, he's. It makes no sense, but. All I'll say is time flight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love how the Doctor buffs Chameleon's helmet. Yes, that's brilliant. nice. That's good. Again, it's Peter Davison adding and giving some bits, thought yeah. to his, his performance all the time, which is always nice to see. And they have a little bit of fun, don't they, between like... So we find out that Chameleon uh, made him escape from Zerifas. He was a... a Weapon in a previous yes. species that invaded Zerifas. Zerifas didn't have a good time. Um, <laughs> did not. <laughs> and never deserved to be mentioned ever again. And Correct. Yet. <laughs> and yet it did. Mm-hmm. And they have this, can anyone please? So they have a nice little moment where they both sort of take control, mental control yes. of Chameleon and turn. And the Doctor's quite uh, cheeky when he gets Chameleon to turn into the Master and even say, quite masterly. masterly. He's taken the bus, you know. He's just... Mm-hmm. I prefer um, Big Bad John. <laughs> and it's quite nice that at the end of the scene, when, when the Doctor is trying to take him over again, the Master is stronger and more in control. So despite yeah. the games. Yeah. I mean, and the Doctor also says, clever of you to cover the superstition of the monks. So he's acknowledging... That. Well, to be honest, I wish he, could, he should have said, this is the worst idea you've ever had, Master. <laughs> He actually <laughs> says, "He actually says, clever of you to cover the superstition of the monks." That's I guess because they're not that clever. <laughs> no, he appears exactly like the king. How's that yes. covering the superstition of the monks? <laughs> and the doctor even congratulates the master. Congratulates him <laughs> on, on the most. Scheme. If he just said, "This is the this is the most <laughs> bonkers scheme you've ever come up with," congratulations, master. He I'm glad I'm here to see this one because I'd never have believed it otherwise. The doctor should have been sniggering in the corner saying, yes. really? <laughs> he, he, he congratulates the master on his plan to turn the barons against King John. So the idea is that he's going to um, kill King John eventually or he's going to meet some end. So the barons yeah. will not be will be in chaos and they won't be Magda Carter. I'm assuming the idea is that the country will be in complete, utter chaos and the master will do something masterful yeah. and take mm-hmm. over, obviously. And we have the Battle of Wits, the Battle yeah. of Wills for control of Chameleon. Yeah, no, oh. that's nicely shot, I think. It is that's nicely that's shot. quite good. I like, like the Doctor and the Master in, in um, profile shots at the edge of the screen with Chameleon in the middle. And it's there's a quite a nice effect, yeah, with the Quantel effects where he's sort I of... I don't even mind the music. No, happened. that, that works for a robot <laughs> scene. <laughs> Um, and again, it's nice that you've got sort of Gerald Floods rather than Chameleon in that scene, and he can turn his head and yeah, do like things. He's acknowledging, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, right, yeah. right. Um, um, at the same time, Jeffrey's body is brought into the castle and he dies. Now, what the fuck is going on here? I didn't do it! <laughs> to warn the king! Carlo just shouting away again. <laughs> yes. And the corpse moves. <laughs> yes, it does. It bloody blinks. <laughs> it does. <laughs> he breathes. <laughs> what is going on here? And Isla Blair even admits in the commentary that she's pretending that she's, oh my God, our cousin is dead. And being all, mm-hmm. but actually, she's 
absolutely in fits of hysterics and yes. they actually have to change the shot so that she isn't facing the she camera. Couldn't see, yeah, she couldn't see anyone's faces because she but, was just lost. But Sir Geoffrey blinks after he's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What is going on? <laughs> oh, no one gives any... <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I think everyone has just given up. As you rightly said, Tegan doesn't scream in the TARDIS when she's getting a bit frustrated of what to do. No. She says, think, Tegan, think. She's a bit more calming. Yeah. She's done her emotional sort of... Yeah, she's been through her point. anger, her anger control, her anger management. Yes. She's been through <laughs> her hysteria management. And Chameleon just is doing cranky hand movements now and just looks completely weird. Uh, uh, you know. Yeah. And the master, oh, this is—is is this the worst master sort of triumphant Anthony Inley speeches when he goes on about your will is weak, chaos will reign, and I shall be its emperor? <laughs> what is he? Is he taking the piss? I don't know. I don't know what he's up to now. <laughs> I, as as everyone has pointed out down the years, it does sound like he's saying your willy's weak, Doctor. It's time you regenerate <laughs> it. <laughs> never, I have never. You've never heard like, that, I've Dave. Never oh, no. that. I've never clicked that. I've never clicked that. Go back <laughs> and listen to it again. It sounds like it's your Willie's weak, Doctor. <laughs> it's time you regenerate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish it had been that. Mm-hmm. Been the <laughs> oh, my God. Your Willie's <laughs> weak, Oh my god! I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I think I've just killed Dave now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so after the what doctors Willie's uh, <laughs> so it's, it's fighting for control of Chameleon, mm-hmm. Randolph and Hugh rush in with Turlow as their prisoner. Yeah, the Battle of Wills is going on, and of course they do. The King, what's happening? Mm-hmm. The Master wants them to kill him. Doctor King. <laughs> <laughs> There's very pained acting from Anthony Ainley there. He does do very pained acting. He does. He does does roll his eye, though, for some reason as well. I'm not very sure. He does, doesn't he? I I wonder if it was sort of him looking toward... At the camp, Looking at the the people coming in. Or I think he's looking at the camp. I think he's looking at Tony Virgo and saying, right, is is it cut? Is this all right? (laughs) Yep. Can I get away with this? (laughs) Yeah, I mean... The TARDIS appears in the Escape of Chameleon. I was thinking at this point, no wonder Davison wanted to appear in the pantomime because reading this script <laughs> and doing this one, it's, yeah, yeah. It's a good dissolving effect, though, with Chameleon when it comes into yes. like he's. And but how did Tegan get it to land? She bumps the console. Of course. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like um, Adric in um, the Visitation, who does the same thump, and the TARDIS lands. So, yeah. Sheer luck, Doctor. Sheer Absolutely. Luck. I mean, he could have been trapped there forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the TARDIS could have been lost in the void with Tegan as its commander. It could be. But luckily, no. <laughs> and Turlow has another moment of magic, or turkness, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and I wonder... I. I was sat there this this evening watching this, thinking, is he channeling Lee John? And then thinking, well, no, because he filmed this. He filmed this before Lee John came in because they they did it out. Yeah, of I say, yeah. Which is such a shame because otherwise it would have been, it was quite a Lee John. <laughs> yeah, where he goes, 
whoever you are. So he doesn't know who he is. No. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. So no. He, it, but he's the evil one. <laughs> yeah. The evil one is the face of evil, you muppet. Um, <laughs> and Anthony and the master gets another classic line. Medieval misfits. misfits. <laughs> what is that all about? Why is he saying medieval misfits? I don't know, because he's got to have a last line before the story stops rather than ends, because... Yeah, it's just, it, it's a bizarre thing to say. Mm-hmm. Medieval misfits. I'm surprised they never, the, the other folk didn't turn around and go, what's medieval? Yeah, what's a misfit? <laughs> <laughs> and he says he's not one yet and laughs. And then, yes. So he And then we don't a, see him again. No, so he obviously had like another tra- trap within a trap. <laughs> there would be a joy to spring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the TCs change the dimensions of the so the master goes in and chuckles, of course. Yes. He's thinking, yes, he's got away, but I am going to follow him with my master plan. And then and that's it. And then we don't see him do anything or react to anything that's wrong with his TARDIS or Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm just thinking about the folk left the castle. So they've seen what they still think is King John because the master didn't say yeah. that it's a robot, obviously. They said no. it's King John and he's bewitched. So as far as they're concerned, the doctors just stole King John and he's started yeah. And what oh, do they think is going to happen now? <laughs> it turned into Tegan, didn't it? it, turned, it turned That's into right, Tegan. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the King John's disappeared and is now Tegan and is then put in the TARDIS. Do you not think they would have went, what's what? he done? And I'm yeah. assuming he would... Yeah, and what the hell are they going to do the next day <laughs> after all of this? Well, right, doing a London and go. The king, well, the king's been killed, and what's happened? And yeah, they would, surely they would send a rider to London and say, yeah. "King John's dead. He was here." Yes, no, you're getting no, locked no. up because the king's here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Me. Yeah, and again, it's just a case of well, we've nearly filled twenty-five minutes. Just <laughs> stop. That's it. That's all I've got. We don't need to explain anything further. Have a comedy scene at the end. That'll do. We then go to the last scene in the TARDIS. Yep. So the Doctor wants Chameleon to stay, but Tegan doesn't and wants to go home all of a sudden again. I've been... Chameleon, by this point, it's just he's in the background. And what I know is he's just doing random sort of movements. And yes. It's, it, 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 there's no logic to what he's doing. It's almost like no, he's just, it's went, like, just, yeah. just leave oh, him. Oh, that'll on. do. Right, just prop him up. Whatever it does is fine. And Tegan is so... so um, She's robotist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It, he's just a machine. So what? He can She's have my a... room for all he cares, for all I care. I'm delighted. I'm delighted that the doctor called her bluff and went, all right, then I'll take you home. Because yeah. he must be... How he's not at this point for... Oh, get rid of her. She's a great old <laughs> She's a brat. Just chuck her out. It's just like, oh, how could mm-hmm. he stand her for a couple of years? It, it's just well, maybe in between their adventures, home. she's absolutely lovely and that is how, and is really good company. But as soon as she steps out of the TARDIS, she's in a really foul mood. I want to go home, Doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, we love Janet Fielding, and in some yeah. of the audios since she's been, she's fantastic. But my God, the Doctor, surely to God, it must be. I mean, the best bit is in Ark of Infinity, Ark of Infinity, of course, <laughs> yes. where he says, I'm going to be back with you. And he has the priceless face of, Are you fucking kidding me here? Yeah, because it's that smile that just turns the yes. minute she's not looking at him. <laughs> so I'm delighted he calls her bluff. 
Yes. Um, and Turlow pipes in and says, we were going to buy planet, actually. Well, you're not yeah, going there either. No, they're never going to his planet. No. No. Aye, but he says he's... So the doctor says we're going to the IRIAN. Mm-hmm. And Turlow pipes up again and says, I've been there. How the hell... How would he have been to the Eye of Orion? Well, he was a... Was he a, a Trion prince or something or from their ruling family? So maybe he got to go on good school trips. Who yeah, knows? I can only think that the Eye of Orion is near to Trion. Could be. <laughs> it just seemed very convenient. Oh, I've been there. Have yeah. you? Oh, okay. I'm surprised the doctor did they turn around and exchange notes. You've been to Florana as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all the other great places I take people, you've been to them all, have you? Well, fine. <laughs> the story does end on a good little note, though, in terms of we have a nice little smile from Peter Davison at the end, yeah. saying, well, that's where we're going. Going. Hey, cue music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, of course, leads into the classic The Five Doctors. Exactly. Which is a far better story than this. Which is a far better story, yes. Yes. Uh, as if it couldn't get any worse. A couple of the things I found out about the King's Demons. Say word we wrote the ending twice. And so, that's what we got. Yes. Right. <laughs> so originally, okay. of course, we, originally, of course, this wasn't going to be the end of the season. It was going to be... No, because it was supposed to go return, into the return, yes. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, turned out to be Gen- uh, I was going to say Genesis does. Resurrection of the Daleks. Yeah, so there, there was yeah, there was major strike action going on oh. at this point. So I mean, the production of these stories towards the end of this season is all over the shop. Yeah, and this they... one actually is is done at the time it was supposed to have been done, but it's not come after Enlightenment as it was supposed to do. And yeah, every every maybe this is why it's such in such a state at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally see I don't know, I can't quite remember when Peter Davison had to decide when he'd done a fourth year or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's around this time, because no. mm-hmm. surely he's he's thinking this is just chaos, this is just yeah. utter chaos um, so the original ending was going to be the TARDIS track and time corridor, so like the end of the Frontiers. Weekend? No, Frontiers yeah, Frontiers mm-hmm. so it was first changed from that to the Doctor agreeing to take Tegan home, but then he set the course for the Iron because he knew that he could persuade her to stay. So, right. we to, so we just got um, right. Okay, I'll take you home, but then he was going to probably say something cheeky at the end, like you know, well, I've got a better idea. Let's go to the Iron Cue music. Instead, he changed it again to have Tegan arguing with the Doctor. Why is this script editor obsessed with folk arguing? Because it's a reflection think, of your life. Yeah, I think this is. Um... Eric Saywood equates drama with conflict, I think, and it's about characters arguing when actually drama can be all sorts of other things and character can be all sorts of other things. But it always seems to be conflict and arguing and with him and his TARDIS teams. It reflects real life, though, which is interesting because, of course, he argued with everybody. John Nathan Turner might as well have been the devil in his eyes. Yeah. I mean, it's just... A lot of the writers didn't get on with them. No. So it's, I just I can't understand the logic. And this is a guy who's supposed to be a writer, supposed to have some sort of savvy, you'd hope. But 
just wants everyone arguing all the time and thinks that's good drama. It's just yeah, weird. it's it's very weird. Lots and lots of decisions around this time are very weird. I think this story exemplifies a lot of the weirdness oh, that is going on. What to say? It's the fault of the producer. Oh, of course, yes, because it, it's always the fault of the, of the producer, John Nathan Turner. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple of cut scenes, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. <laughs> and there was some classic, or should I say not classic, bits of brilliant dialogue, majestic dialogue from Terence Dudley, or Eric Seward. So after the Master released Isabella and Hugh, before they trotted off up the stairs, of course, they said, what about Turlow? And apparently the master was going to say, heed not this beardless youth. Come, lady, I shall return you to the bosom of your husband. <laughs> wow. I can hear Anthony Ainley struggling, purring his way through that. I, I shall suggest... return you to the bosom of your husband. <laughs> <laughs> heed not this beardless youth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I've, I've kind of shitted all over Terence Dudley in this podcast, but I am well, not. To be a honest, fan of Terence Dudley deserves shitting all over. To be honest, I, I, I'm not a fan of stories. For the Doomsday, I can kind of, kind of, you know, I can tolerate. Yeah. But these other ones, I'm not a fan of at all. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of Black Orchid either. Um, yeah. And after the TARDIS disappeared, um. From when, they, when they're outside, so when Sir Giles, aka the master, aka guy with the red face, beard, or whatever, yeah. um, takes the TARDIS in, um, and the TARDIS has disappeared, there was a bit of dialogue between the Tegan and the Doctor that went along, which went like this. Tegan saying, come into my parlour, said the spider to the fly. Doctor, I quite like spiders. Tegan, surely not ones that can kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Terence Dudley. And I mean, actually, thank you very much, old. Eric Saywood, for chopping that bit out. Yes. Yeah, we'll give him some credit. Yeah. The End of Transmission was a trailer for the Long Leap Celebration, 20 Years of a Time Lord, and trailers for the Five Faces of Doctor Who repeat season and Castro Valva. And you would have been there. What was it like? Do you remember well, that? Um... I remember the 20th anniversary very well. I did, I was really cross because my cousins went to Longleat. So my um, my um, cousin Adrian, who's a few years older than me, is a huge Doctor Who fan as well. So he was the one who gave me a push to be, be a fan. And he actually went to Longleat. So I have a ticket that he gave me and the programme that he bought for me, but I didn't wow. get to go. And my cousins, no. who are not Doctor Who fans, went to Longleat. Which is they just not to be fans. No, no, my other cousins um went with them and we didn't I uh, they could have taken me. I could have gone, but no. Yeah. But no, wow. my cousin Adrian was was at Longleat, so he was one of the, the sixty thousand people who were were there. Because I remember my mum said because my family didn't have a lot of money and, and stuff when I was growing up. So I remember my mum always saying that was one of the things she she always wanted to take me to a convention. Or and she always said I would have loved to have taken you to Longleat. So the two of us would have had a really great, great day, but we couldn't do it unfortunately. So um, I was on holiday with my grandparents, I think, because I remember getting the program while I was there. So, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it was just one of those. 
those things, unfortunately. But I mean, the the 20th anniversary was just um, sort of, I remember getting the um, Radio Times with the Five Doctors cover. And I remember getting the 20th anniversary Radio Times special and pouring over that. And it had the most amazing photographs in it. And it was a beautiful. Uh, I've still got my original copy that's in a few pieces now, uh. but it was, I, I read it and read it and read it. I loved that. So sort of all of that, and, and the five doctors, just the most amazing, amazing oh, story. It's the most and to see that on first broadcast, and at, they always say imagine. Doctor Who is a, they always say Doctor Who is at its peak when you're eight, and I was eight, yeah. <laughs> and it was absolutely just the best thing ever. It was just, and we, I was allowed to keep that one on video. That was the first one we recorded off the TV that I was allowed to keep forever. Dad broke the tab in the video so that it never got recorded over. So, oh, yeah, I remember that. You could break the tab so that... That's yeah, right. and that was it. And then you were not recording. And this was a keep forever because it was such a brilliant, a brilliant thing. So I've watched that to death. Oh, I've watched that to I've spent today um, editing something for Trap One, so I've had to watch bits of the Five Doctors, and it's just yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it, it's the Five Doctors is brilliant. My my friend growing up had uh, a copy of the Five Doctors in his house, and all five of them that were on the, the video, of course, with the cover, I hadn't recognised because I don't remember Sylvester McCoy. Yeah. So I remember taking that home and I watched it, and I absolutely devoured it. And I literally bought, I must have bought it about 10 times from him over a couple of months or something. I just watched it again and again and again and again. And until eventually I didn't end up giving him it back. I think it got to the point where he never noticed I'd taken it. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it's just it's just fantastic. It just really is. It's the most quotable Doctor Who story. I think we could all oh, absolutely. Sort of quote every yeah. line. Every, just... Yeah. I know, I, I know it pretty much off by heart because I watched I it well. so yeah. much, you know. Finished? Yes, looks rather splendid, doesn't it? And so on, and so on, and so on. Bugger, you try it's... to you try to catch me out there. Like, what's the next line? <laughs> <laughs> I would. <laughs> I wouldn't do that, <laughs> or would I? <laughs> but it's, oh, it's just fantastic. Uh, yes, I. You could tell from the enthusiasm we've got here that it's high above the king's demons. Oh, I mean, the the thing that's. The last thing I found out about this, like another fact about the Kiggest Demons, which is another yeah. baffling thing. You might be able to help me with this one because apparently the novel expanded the role of the jailer, who was now called Cedric. Yes, so, that rings so a bell. I haven't, yeah. I haven't read the book for a very, very long time, but it is actually also the longest Target book that was released. Really? Yes. The Kiggest really. Demons? Yes had the largest word count of any target book. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean this is um I mean this is a man it was written by Terence Dudley and this is a man who who spent about it felt like a hundred pages describing the cricket match in Black Orchids. So oh, God. This man, okay. It's one of those and, books then. Yeah and in um in the novelization of um, canine and company there's a long sequence explaining the route that um, Sarah Jane took in her car explaining each road and when she turned left and then she turned onto the B4446 or whatever and oh, yeah my god like Cedric was dropped in the storyline stage so I believe that he wanted the jailer to have a bigger role but it was dropped okay. early on but um I just I know that you've read quite a few more um yeah well I'll have to look it up in the book than me 
I mean, I just got, I was um, at Valiant in Sheffield recently and I got oh, yes. a copy of uh, the Reboss operation. And that, well, that's I'm a good book. Reading. That's a great book, that is. I'm looking forward to reading it because it's the first time I've read a Target in years. I had a few back in the day, but I, I stupidly got rid of them. Um, so, yeah, I've never, and I know that Ian Martyr is one of the better writers, obviously, like, apparently his books are really yeah. good. So that's why when I saw one of his, I thought, yeah. But um, yeah, so it's the longest book. I, I, I'm yeah. absolutely. I'm thinking, what gems did he add to this story? <laughs> well, to be honest, I I think I only read it once. It was one that I got quite late. It was one I didn't see, um, so I can't remember. And I know there's been a talking book of it, and I haven't listened to the talking book either. So because it's by Terence Dudley, but it, it's got a very nice cover. It's a nice holiday copy. There we go. Sort of gives it away. Well, it does, really. Yeah, but but if if you've got a single asset and you're not allowed to have pictures of the regulars on on the cover, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's true. Probably the only other option would have been King John, I suppose. But it wouldn't have looked as exciting. (laughs) No. Mm -hmm. Final thoughts about the King's Demons. Well, you know, despite everything... I find it very entertaining. And I think that might just be for Anthony Ainley just having having a ball through this one. And if nothing else, his performance is lively and keeping um, stops the audience from falling asleep. Him and Gerald Flood are both giving it their all in different ways. And that sort of works. But I mean, it's a it's a poorly written, poorly scripted story that doesn't so much as um, finish but just stops because they've reached their maximum amount of time and that's all it does I mean yeah it's a strange one this one <laughs> I think that was being kind I think I'm not going to be as kind as you are I think it is absolute <laughs> shite I'm sorry <laughs> the, the master is a caught Frenchman the dialogue's straight it's dull Turlo and Tegan are hopeless and do nothing yeah. Davison and you don't trying, like the music. <laughs> I don't like the music. Um, Davison is trying to save it with a decent performance, but he's sort of fighting against the tide. Um, Gerard Flood makes it entertaining for me in some sort of capacity because, like Paul Darrow later on, he has this large performance, and that's what. Can you imagine if he wasn't in this? My God! Yeah. Oh God, it would be dire, wouldn't it? But I will take your thing that it is entertaining, and Anthony Ainley despite the fact that he's totally not believable, one iota is this universe-conquering foe. He is entertaining, but in totally the wrong way. I laugh at yes. him the wrong way. And Yeah, you're just, laughing at him, not with him. Yeah, yeah. I just, I think it's uh, one of the worst Doctor Who stories ever. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's you're just garbage. right. I think it's just garbage. Mm-hmm. Stick out moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, where, where do you start? Actually, I think the standout moment uh, um, is the Doctor Master control of chameleon scene, which is really nicely directed and really well, nice. actually, really well done. I think that is is good, and the jousting is really good in episode one as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, in all fairness, I think the jousting scene looks very good. Um, yeah, and the outside location work and everything. 
master count moment though is going to be unfortunately for the wrong reasons it's going to be the blinking corpse and <laughs> I believe in that this corpse is, is dead and everyone's very mm-hmm. upset to have the corpse blinking is just unforgivable I'm sorry yeah they should sorry, have reshot that mm-hmm. but uh, I think Tony Virgo is not not a bad director I mean this is very early on in his career and I think it's a shame he didn't get to do another one and show a bit more of what he could do because yeah. there are some good shots in it and there are some decent bits in it. But I kind of yeah. disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the end of season 20. It is. And as a season, do you think it ticked the boxes or was it a poor season? What was your thoughts on the season? Just to round this off. Half of it is absolutely brilliant. Uh, you've got Snake Dance, you've got Mordred Undead, and you've got Enlightenment, which are all really strong stories. And then the other three, you've got... I'll... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's take them one by one. So you've got Ark of Infinity, which is, well... well it's all right, but it's it's just I'm... dull. It is quite dull. I've kind of had... At one time, I really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But other time, but then I sort of fell out in love with it and saw the flaw. I've kind of had a lot of hate release, but sometimes yeah. I think it's not as bad as people make out, and other times I think, yeah, this is terrible. No, and um, again, you've got a cast who have generally no idea what's going on, yeah. <laughs> and and also someone playing a villain who, uh, a villainous um, guard captain who is seizing every opportunity to make this his show, <laughs> and and enjoying every minute of it, so. But yeah, it's um yeah it's pulse a... laser. Yeah. <laughs> Balia, fetch a pulse loop. <laughs> no clue what this is about. No, none at all. I think the Amsterdam bits look good, but anyway, that's yeah, that's for but, a, a, mm-hmm. another day. But then you got Snake Dance, which is really good. Yeah, love Snake Dance and terrified me as a kid and was the scariest ever Doctor Who story. You've got Morgan Undead, which I I love Morgan Undead. I think yeah, I, I think it's a a really competent, well-told time story about time, which you don't get in Doctor Who very often, um, and a lovely, poignant story for the Brigadier and his return yeah. in a way, and returning him in a way that you wouldn't expect. And I, I think it's one of Nicholas Courtney's best performances. I agree. I get the the fact that he's playing at the Amnesia. He plays it really, really well. Um, yeah. I even like, I've, I've savaged the music in this story, The King's Demons, but I love the, the cranky, out of sorts music in Warden Undead. I mean, it has no right to be a rocky No, sport, no, but, it shouldn't be rocky just, and it shouldn't be comedic. And, yeah. But this one, just for some reason, I just absolutely hated it. Mm-hmm. So you've got Modern Undead and then you've got Terminus, which of yeah. course is, is Fraser's uh, favourite. Oh, Fraser course. loves it. Fraser <laughs> is really, really obsessed with it. And um, he should just get it out of his system. And I think if it ever comes up on this podcast, you should let Fraser do this. He would love to talk about Terminus <laughs> for hours. Yeah, who can't love a story with Lisa Goddard and her makeup? And her big, big hair. With a helmet that fits oh, her hair. <laughs> I think it's got a great episode one, but yes. then it just but then it just falls apart completely. I remember as a kid, I re- loved those early scenes in the TARDIS where things are, and where it all goes wrong and it's latching onto the ship and this has got to go through and she's on her own. Those are really good, but it's just like no one's got the message that this should be grand and operatic and huge. And it because the script is 
is going that way, but it's just so flat and studio bound and grey corridors and it's all a bit dreary. Yeah, uh, Valiant, um, Stephen Gallagher was there. Oh, wow, okay. Um, and done a done a panel with some of the other writers of the 80s. Yeah. And he was saying about Terminus, it sounded to me from what he was saying that almost it was the execution that went completely wrong. Like the garden was uh-huh. supposed to be um, just lights in the darkness and be like this shadowy sort of figure. You And then he says he couldn't believe it when, of course, he this great big was cousin, a dog. The, the big bang uh, dog, as he, as he was known. Maybe it's a bit like, one. I've never read the novel, but maybe it's a bit like, um, is it a bit like perhaps Paradise Towers where the, the script on paper sounds... Exciting. Yeah, the book's the really good. Is, yeah, yeah, but the execution is all over yeah. the place. Like no one's quite got it. No one's quite got yeah. the tone of it quite right. Because that's the same with Paradise Towers. I mean, the script would make a brilliant story, and yeah. I think it is a really well written story. But the execution is completely yeah. Different. Everyone yeah. in Paradise Towers is pulling in such different directions. So the actors, yeah. the costumes, the sets, everything is nothing is cohesive, and every set of actors is doing something different to all the other actors and it doesn't doesn't quite gel yeah that's another one i want to check out with the novel because i'd like to read and get the true vision of it as it were yes. what it's maybe supposed to be uh, so we've got terminus and then we've got enlightenment of course which yeah we which we we have discussed at length and absolutely loved. And, then and then you this. and then you end on this um, yeah thing thing yeah the King's Demons. A very underwhelming ended season, but at yes, least... but it wasn't designed to be the end of the season. It was a no. little stopgap story before you got the big epic at the end. Yeah, and I think the season is kind of destabilised by that not being there and that ending not being there. Yeah, I, I don't agree with the... I don't know what John Nathan Turner was thinking about this whole have a season with every... One being a return oh. monster. I, I don't quite think that. Was I always think idea. it's just uh, they noticed afterwards and said, oh, well, we can hook something on that. That's a bit of publicity, isn't it? Because it's actually the, return, <laughs> the returning um, old thing in, in free stories was exactly the same. <laughs> so, yeah it's, yeah, it's pushing it a bit. I think in hindsight, though, I think it would be better if they'd had just fresh ideas, as yes. it was, rather than bring it back. Well, but yeah, so season twenty is a bit of a. I know Jason Miller is it is a huge yeah. fan of season twenty. I've he heard is, some yeah, he did a big defense of season twenty, didn't he? Yeah, on Joe's uh, comes with a bump pain knife. Yeah, book, mm-hmm. that's right. I remember listening to that. So sorry, uh, Jason, if you're listening, but I don't like King Stevens. <laughs> no. uh, so we'll just leave it there. <laughs> uh huh. And uh, I'll just say thanks again, Sai, for your wonderful time. Uh, it's a pleasure, Dave. And you know what? If nothing else, we've had a laugh talking about this story, even oh, though yes. it's not not very good. We've laughed our way through it. So that's something <laughs> good that's come out of it. Absolutely. I'm sure I'll be contacting you again in future. But uh, I'll just say till next time. And we'll okay. see you soon. Yeah. Thanks, Dave.